I came to First Class Reels, I was trying to find someone to do my reel for me. The reason I wanted to get my reel done was because every like, agent I'd run into or manager would be like, so can I see some of your work? And I'd be like, I don't have a reel. When we were done and I sent it out to people I've been networking with and I got an agent out of it. And right now I'm talking to a manager after they've seen my reel. So it really was bang for my buck. Like, I got exactly what I wanted. So first class reels, do it. You will not regret it. Trust me. You know objective truth, Darwin? Math. That's not objective truth. Math is objective. No, it's not. Yes, it, it doesn't is. It fully describe reality. There's no chance you've objectively described reality. You haven't. Let the record show that Lauren is bored. Welcome to Darwinism. I'm Matt Lofton. I'm Darwin. Here's where we talk about politics. Trying to evolve the conversation. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that's so horrible, horrible. Hey everyone, welcome to Lofty Darwinism. Uh, it has been a while, or maybe it won't have been a while, depending on when episodes were released, or will be released, or will never be released, who knows. Um, it is mid-November, the blue wave has has struck from the coast. Uh, it didn't seem like an election night because everyone lives on the East Coast. But Darwin, what were you thinking? What's going on in your world? I don't know. You know, I, I feel like it's been, uh, I feel like we live in a completely different political world than when we last, like, recorded or even at least, like, released, you know, that last episode. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm struck by just how negative it all is, you know? I'm struck by that. I feel excited to be in divided government. Um, that was what I uh, supported, you know, with my ballot to yeah. the extent that I could in California. I, um, I voted at this historic, weird uh, place called The Last Bookstore in downtown Los Angeles, and then I, on my way back, passed Gavin Newsom, who was holding ah. his, and I, I didn't see him, but I saw his campaign bus and there were a bunch of Good people swarming around. And I found out later that that was where he held his victory party, party at this downtown, uh, you know, club. And it kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like it, uh, it was kind of appropriate because what I think this election really represented was just how different it is to be in rural America versus an urban uh, landscape and so yeah I am living in one of the most urban places on earth <laughs> you know yeah, you are, it's very Darwin. different than uh, where you are probably well no Amarillo has its urbanness sure um, yeah yeah it's, not, it's in a certain square mileage it's you can get around it pretty quick um except when traffic's bad which there is some traffic here but it's not like DC or LA by any means um, no, Amarillo's got tra traffic. Trust me. Like coming from LA, I it's clearly not LA traffic, but it's got traffic for weren't sure. You, yeah, weren't you surprised? Like there are these moments where you're like, what are all these people doing? Right. Why is there so much construction? And honestly, it's just construction traffic. Uh, it's a like, little of that, but I think I think it's it's also it's also growing. It's not just that it's growing; it's where it's growing. You know, it's specifically mm -hmm. Sansi. I think that. Really oh, uh, attracts that just that that gridlock because you've got the mall, the theater, all these restaurants, and 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 it just it's building out. Uh, I avoid got, it like, like the plague. You, the I, plague. I, I don't know. Is there, isn't there like a, a Home Depot over there? Dude, or like a you Lowe's are not. Like you that? are so far behind the times, Darwin. There is now a thing called Synergy, which has escape rooms and bowling and movies. And this jump ARU thing, which is like a trampoline, and then like this $250 a month crazy gym. And this is all at like uh, uh, Hillside and Sauncy, man. And mm. this giant apartment complex. 
there was a line today. Oh my God, no one who listens outside of the Amarillo will care about this. But it was almost, I mean, it was at least a quarter mile plus from Hillside to towards freaking uh, 45th, right? Sure. Like they were out into, like it was a long, uh, for a left-hand turn on green, it was past the entrance deal, which was an incredibly long, like, runway to that. Like, people would have had to go around and know that people weren't going straight. Like, it was the kind of DC nonsense where, like, or you see it in LA, too, where it's so far back from that left-hand turn that people are going nuts, mm-hmm. right? And, like, I was just, and I was luckily turning right while looking at it, just like, oh, thank the Lord I'm not going anywhere near that. Yeah. Um, But, like, it's weird because... Around it, super fast and easy, right? Like, you know, that's the difference. Is like when I'm not stuck in traffic, Amarillo's a breeze. Sure, um, I, 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 I feel for you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I know you do. It's really hard to be able to do four different errands in, in under an hour. Well, um, I mean, that's 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 actually um, something that is available to me too. Because to be honest. I don't need to leave downtown Los Angeles, which is a very small, you know, geographical region, uh, to do pretty much all of my shopping, you know, because in That's addition good. to there being several uh, grocery stores and CVS, you know, like within walking distance, there's so many uh, services available to have it delivered to your door. So between all those things, it's really easy to kind of just stay in downtown. Spend all your money? What? Spend all your money. <laughs> well, it's certainly expensive. Let me assure yes. you of that. It's a little cheaper here in the in the in the heartland of Darwin, sure. uh, where I don't. I mean, but too fair. There are there's some delivery stuff here, and you know whatnot. Um, but you know, I think that's interesting. Now, like, I feel much more like a non coaster anymore that I'm in Amarillo. Like, I don't. I totally get what you're talking about. I was living that life like three months ago you know what i mean like not long ago sure um but it was for me it was like supposed to look convenient but man everything was just such a hassle and it made me angrier well it's 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 a hassle to have a lot of expenses you know that's 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 a stress that i think is immeasurable in some ways, you know, because it, it, it's hard to define just like what the, what the stress load of, you know, trying to make the, the, the money math work, um, kind of like adds up to you, you know, and I, I, obviously it's a, it's a struggle in California, you know, because it's, you know, I make money, but it's also very, very, very expensive out here. And, I think I do question like what is the future for myself and for many others of of like economic activities on the coasts, but it's it's it with that comes a rising cost of living that doesn't necessarily pay for the you know the cost of living. In addition, yeah, your to that, wages haven't. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's a wage uh, versus inequality type of question in terms of who's benefiting. And in addition to that, it's like I have my struggles, but then I versus many of the people in downtown Los Angeles, um, you know, I am absolutely the gentrifier because, I mean, for instance, I was on the East Coast uh, like a month ago and I went to Pennsylvania for two weeks. When I came back, we, we, I live basically right on the edge of Skid Row and on one side of my apartment complex, there have always been a row of tents. When I got back, the day I got back, it was actually on Halloween, 
they they completely evacuated all of those tents. They put up signs saying, you cannot put tents here. We will power wash this daily. And those tents have not returned. So we pushed the homeless population even further away from where it is right now. So we're sort of the, the, the assholes, you know, that are doing yeah. that. And so it's sort of a tale of inequality, a tale of I can relate to wanting those gone because those people were scary. They, they shouted after me. They followed me. They yelled insults at me daily. I couldn't walk down that street. It was kind of a nightmare. And it's also sad to see them. The only response that we have is just to kick them out. Yeah, that's the rough. That's the rough part. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I've been is a you know teaching economics, and I'm not going to talk much about class or anything like that. But you know, sometimes you get historical references, and I'm telling them about. And I knew so like everyone compares 2008 that crash to the Great Depression, but it was a lot more like 1907. It was a lot more like the crash that J.P. Morgan. Uh, essentially himself totally averted from an economic crisis, right? We're coming out of the Gilded Age. This one, like, there is a 80% of San Francisco is destroyed in an earthquake. Money is hard to get across the coasts. Capital's tough to rebuild. And one guy commits fraud that systematically hurts 10 different banks across the East Coast. Mm. And it crashes everybody, even good banks, right? Runs on the bank, everything. And J.P. Morgan comes in, swoops in, stabilizes everybody, essentially all the good banks, gets rid of, I mean, essentially just rewrites everyone's loans, everything it needs to do to like financially reorder the entire country. Like he is his own Federal Reserve. Hmm. Right there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And like the country goes, thank you, but oh my God. Well, how could anyone have that much power, right? Sure, sure. And that's how we get the Federal Reserve today was because we knew in a real banking crisis, which was going to take down good banks and bad banks indiscriminately, that we had to have something to backstop that. And one dude with all the money doing that, like, it's great that it worked one time, but, like, that's not a system. And that's not a – that's like, what if he just wants to reorder it in his own favor? It might have. How would we know? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like the the Federal Reserve, as it exists today, is very much something that exists to uh, further the interests of the largest institutional financial systems. You know, so that's. I mean, I feel yeah. like the two thousand eight crash was actually a perfect example of that, in which we mm-hmm. sort of decided that we needed to either save the country or save the banks. And, but, you know, like it was, it was, we, we decided to save the banks because we felt like they, I mean, I, I'm sort of wording it the wrong way, but obviously people felt it was just too calamitous of an option to let the banks fail. So we bailed them out and to the detriment of the rest of us. Okay. Was it really, okay. But here's the thing. The second half of what you said, I don't think is true. We just don't examine it anymore. Now we psychologically took consequences from the way we bailed out the banks and the way we did not, systematically go help people and we were so angry about it but every dollar of tarp has been paid back plus interest we made money on the on that uh on that deal and we could have made more money if we'd been a little more ruthless about the whole thing and on top of that like the federal reserve every year makes like 84 billion dollars and gives it to the treasury 
Like it's not a like it doesn't. We're profiting off the banking system. It's just about regulating it properly, and that you know. And you look at two thousand eight. Like I read just about every book I could on that crisis. And Timothy Geithner and Henry Paulson worked in just about as good a faith as any people could, believing that even if we have a flawed banking system, we still have one that keeps the country lubricated. Like it's the blood system of our country, and it's a weird. Thing because, well, I, yeah. I think that's the question is, was it really worth it to keep the country lubricated? Because economies are self-lubricating in their own sense. And you're talking essentially about trust in the system. But I feel oh. like the, the trust was not pervasive and it has not yet um, been a, a system that we have truly climbed out of. Because I think that what we paid for... Um, for that lubrication was not just with money; it was also with the 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 skyrocketing inequality that we have right now. I mean, the people who would have been hurt the most probably would not have been the working class as much as it was in the wake of just the drawn out recession and faux recovery that has just been supplemented by low paying jobs and automation. I I feel yeah. like we needed more of a course correction than we got in that moment. I could be wrong. I mean, obviously- No, I, I was... think you're sort of right, but just honestly, just I think you need to trust this truth. There is no scenario truly in the history of the world, even like guillotine time for like all the revolutions where the rich have really made it out worse than the poor during revolution. And it, during- I... It's, like, it's, like, not the, it's not worse than the poor, but it is accumulation of power that is self-perpetuating, right? And I think that the, right. the issue with the bank bailout was that it didn't force any reckoning in these large-scale institutions. Oh, yeah, that's, and that's in true. particular, in the entire realm of real estate and I, what I'm dealing with in California and with what we just talked about with Skid Row, I feel like we are still living the ramifications of the real estate market having not actually received the true jolt that it would have received had the st federal government stayed out of it. And, and I think you would have seen prices you know, plummet and it would have shaken and rattled the market for sure, but it also may have opened it up it, like on a different playing field for Here's different types of people. None of that was the point. Like, we, the reason we couldn't let the housing market just crash like that wasn't because we couldn't have dealt with the housing market self-correcting if it was just the housing market. It is that we had, like, back-end bet 50 times the housing market, essentially, on bad loans, right? So if it was just, like, the mortgages went bad and the banks had to figure out the mortgage and the asset, we would have been totally fine even if it had changed 50%. The problem was that they tried to hedge with really complicated bond securities based on mortgages and then people took bets on insurance, essentially insurance bets that were 50 and 100 times payout, I mean at times, what was like what they had paid on it, right? So when the housing housing went down, it wasn't trying to fix some bad loans, right? That was no big deal. Any bank could do that. They owed the people they had gambled with 
a ton more than any of the cash they had on hand because they had accidentally gambled more than they had. Well, but that's that's the point is that it, in that circumstance that bank fails and then you liquidate its assets, namely the houses that it has on its books, which are you know like subprime. No, and and then those assets re-enter no, the economy. No, 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 no. The, the the bank you're talking about may not even own the assets which they are to- which would be liquidated. I'm saying that they had naked puts. They had naked unasset backed bets that were worth fifty and a hundred well, times no, no, no. the assets all, that they never owned. Incorrect. The, the banks did have own those assets. They did. No, I'm Wells saying Fargo, that some uh, some banks. Some banks, yes, all, a bank all always of, All owns, of the big no, institutions, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, not, Wells Fargo, no, Wachovia. That's not, you're missing the entire point. Yes, some a bank always held the mortgage, but the individual mortgage failure was not at all the problem in the crisis. But, the okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I think that I do understand what you're saying, but what I'm describing to you is that if, if you've got a, a bank that is 100 times plus its asset, you know, like, like extended you know, beyond its assets, then the bank fails. It goes into bankruptcy. That's the nature of our institutions, and that's what I'm saying. If that had happened, you still – like it's not like the houses disappear, Matt. The houses still no, are there, no, no, and no, they're no, still I, worth what anybody will pay for them. So you go through a liquidation process, in like a, bank, right. a bankruptcy process, in which your assets are liquidated, and those liquidations – like there were banks that were smaller that could have absorbed them. There, there, there would have been a reordering of our financial system, but, our bank, but banking would not have gone away. Banking would have not have disappeared. It just would have taken down I'm, the giants. I'm telling you, Darwin – that actually at the time we, we they had they had leveraged so far that it actually may not have been surmountable that like that's how stupid that, the but, bet had gotten right but that's just th- those are individualized institutions no like, it was this was all, this wasn't individualized yes the it kind was of it di- was everywhere at the top and, but there were banks that were smaller that you have not and heard I'm of saying that, that the did top is in- so big that it would never, that it would have drowned the bottom. It was that's how concentrated but that's, that's the, the world contingent. was. The so, top. so, so, so we've arrived at this point. Why is it that the top would have drowned the bottom? Because I really don't, I don't know that we've actually the, really questioned the, that. W- the bottom doesn't act because we do have a totally messed up system that goes by the Pareto principle, which means that eighty percent of the wealth is controlled by twenty percent of the people, up to meaning that the one percent has like twenty percent of our wealth, if not fifty percent of our wealth. Like some crazy high percentage, right? Because we are asking for output in an economy and output in this world goes at an eighty twenty rule. And that's just the truth. And we don't realize how much that matters in a capitalist system, which is what we have, which just demands capital be accumulated. That's what we're doing. Right. And, and but, that's why but, it does but, this. But the reason that system can can work and be effective as a social good is that it is dynamic, right? It is dynamic. And I, and, and I really do want to just keep returning to this contention that – these large institutions would have failed, yes. Now, it's possible that the shock to our economy, obviously it was a lot of smart minds believed this, that it would have decimated us because it would have just sparked so much fear into our economy. But I think that retroactively looking at the Great Depression and at the Great Recession of 2008, you could argue in both instances that the federal government's 
like initial intrusion into it was somewhat like a morphine drip that prevents the addict from actually getting off, you know, and, and actually reorienting their lives. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm positing at the moment is had all of these large banks failed, there would have been other banks. There were other banks for sure that could have absorbed them. Now, could they have absorbed them at mass? Probably not, but it wouldn't have have it's not like these assets would have disappeared it would have just been a recovery it would have required a recovery and i just don't know that that was in retrospect a worse option given what we are now facing with our current housing you know crisis and i i think that that is something that like if the free market is going to actually resolve the housing crisis it needed to do it eight years, like ten years ago. So, <laughs> you know, well, there's like, some degree of that, but D- Darwin, I want you to, I want you to, ex- okay. So, how do you think banks work? What do you mean? Like, like how do you? That's think- a very open-ended question. What are you asking? Okay, no, no. So, how do you think banks lend out money? How oh, you, do you think is this works? like the fractional reserve banking? We've already done an episode. On yeah, that. yeah, we yeah, exactly. Like that's. Well, I mean, but they're printing money every time they do that. That's what is happening. But not really. And like it's it's sort of like uh, the the whole. All, all of our economy is, exists on IOUs, right? You know, it's, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's how banking works is that you provide security to a financial system, right? But, but, but yeah. that's the mirage. It's like there can only be so much security in when, when you're talking about risk. And whenever you try to absorb risk too much – into the power of the federal government or something like that, you get these large institutions, and which I'm are incredible. saying what we were really, I'm saying that it doesn't feel like it now because we survived it, but essentially we had actually like the consequences of the stupidity with which they had leveraged were not really survivable and not just a way that the elites would feel, but in the way that like the country would have had such major problems that we would have, like, it's not, like, they just needed to fix it, right? Now, they should have done it better and helped everybody else at the same time, right? But essentially, the actions of a few were going to damn the many really badly. And they had to bail out those few to help but they, the many. But they like, did. <laughs> like, like, we didn't no, they didn't that how, like, crisis. Like, 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 they it's did hard to know <laughs> how much worse it could have been had they not done it. Like, it's yours, you're always going to, you're always going to be able to argue that we, they, they made it. But I think it was going to be a lot worse than it was. And, and not but, in a but help way me that imagine was that survivable. Because, because it, obviously it's hard to pr- prove a negative, right? Like, and, right. And, and, and so I'm saying it could have been better. You're saying it could have been worse. I'm uh, saying in, – in, but, but, but just saying it's hard to imagine isn't enough of an argument for me. Here's I what I'm saying. Specifics. Like, I need specifics. I need you to describe good, to me what actually would have been the calamitous I'm saying that solvent – it was so bad that generally solvent banks who were not making irresponsible bets would have been put at risk. That is how that is how malignant the system had gotten, right? Yes. They owed with each, and so when like in a good economy, everything gets like every all even bad businesses win, right? But in a truly bad recession, good systems go down with the bad, and it's not a discriminant system. Sure, and we have a Federal Reserve system for exactly these moments. Like they probably could have done it differently for sure, but the troubled asset relief program 
actually made the United States federal government and every person money in this country. And we should have driven a harder bargain, but it was not Wait, hold on. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. It made every person money in, like, It made our government money. Our balance sheet money. Do you vote in this country? Do you vote in the federal elections? I didn't receive any money from the Sadly, no, because we're so far in debt that we're screwed. But had we not been $20 trillion in debt, which we are now, you might have gotten a dividend check for the TARP money. But instead, because we're so far freaking drowning in debt, you're never going to get that dividend check, Darwin. It's never going to come. Right. on balance, that money, that $700 billion made money for the federal government. It did not lose money. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm telling you. That that's why that's such an important thing, right? No, no, I I believe that argument. I I concede that argument um, to you. I, I I'm just saying that the winners and losers w- was somewhat important in terms of just not just symbolic, but also in terms of was it worth it to save these gigantic institutions when. What everybody on both the left and the right seems to agree with is the idea that our corporatocracy is accumulating uh, too much at the top. And uh, it's it's basically an antitrust situation. And that's kind of like we had an opportunity there to kind of like organically break up the trusts. And we, we whiffed because we freaked we, out. And that's kind of like now in retrospect, like, again, if I had been in office at that time and had that decision, it would have been hard to disagree with the people who were saying – making the arguments that they're making because obviously it's a scary proposition. But I think we also have to really a- ask ourselves, did we just kind of uh, sort of – like it doesn't – it wasn't a clean – it's never – it has not been a clean recession. You know, it has been a, it has been a or, or or clean recovery rather. It has not been a recovery that has benefited um, Americans equally, and I don't think that that's something I, that you can just chalk up to regressive taxation policy. You're really talking about I a can, you know a, a a power accumulation that is uh, I hard to address. I can agree with almost all that, but what I tell you is the banking sector has to be regulated and thought about differently because every single other sector interacts with it and it is the flow of the system, right? So like I am I would have way heavier bank regulations, but it is important that we have the kind of credit we have. It is important that we have the kind of flow that we have. It is important that we save our banks. Like this is like honestly at the end of the day, like we get to create like with this money. It is the full faith and credit of the United States government, our own ingenuity that goes behind that money. There's nothing else to it, Darwin. It's just fiat money. It's because we say it so. And it goes, it's our everything we produce and all of our thoughts and all of our hardware and everything goes behind that money, Darwin. And like, yeah, we had to print like like it's good to save those banks, but maybe you wouldn't say but maybe you should still bust up Amazon. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's good to save the banks. You should regulate them harder, but when they screw up they take everybody else down with them, and but like, uh, that's why I, I think I guess that's, them the, that, that, that's the phrase that I just want to tease out a little bit more because my question truly is: Would that have been a bad thing? Because in a lot of ways, that did already happen, and so when you when you make that grandiose, they would have taken everybody down with them. Like they did take everybody down with them; no, they no, just no, survived. You didn't get no. I'm saying like you didn't stop having food at your grocery store. I'm saying you didn't stop having like 
basic services in your town. Like that's how bad it was going to get, Darwin. If the credit market had truly frozen because of how how this was going to go, like because everyone owed so much money that no one would have known what to do in every single direction, that would have but been I don't absolutely think that that's catastrophic. A, an accurate way to describe it. I think like like a few I've read like seven books about it. A few institutions would have owed a, a whole you bunch don't of think, money. Okay, why do you think that the concentration of wealth in our personal lives isn't modeled almost exactly in the banking sector? Like, that's what I'm telling you. It's like, so yeah, there were other banks, but they're like peas. They're like very small little things in comparison mm, no, to the... No, 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 I disagree with yes, that. I, in comparison I, no, I disagree with that. The 20, I disagree with that. The 20 largest let me, banks let me in the look country... Look up the how much of the wealth the twenty largest banks in this country control. Um, well, there's something else. Because that's who got first. the. That's you who look got that the up. <laughs> if you if you if no, you prefer to. Uh, look, we should I'm actually right. I, we should actually continue this conversation on Facebook because I think this is the part where we need to research. I think it's a fascinating conversation, Matt. I mean, look, I'm not. Yeah, you have a defensible argument for sure. I I'm not sure I yeah. buy it, but I also am not sure I completely disagree with it. Um, so, so let's, let's tease out just like, uh, I think that against this backdrop is like, it's so funny to me that we used to have these arguments and it seemed to fit like to matter as to who we would vote for. Um, you know, like, like, do you believe in heavy regulation or deregulation, that type of thing? Well, then you're going to vote Democrat or Republican. And now it's basically just like, are you a white man or are you not? (laughs) Like, it seems like. Uh, no, no, no. I, it's I, are you college educated or are you not? It, the line sure. is not just... I mean, I'm a libertarian. I voted mostly just straight Ds this election just because, like, until Donald Trump's out of office, I just don't feel at all comfortable with 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 what the Republicans are, are enabling, you know, in this guy. I, I mean, and so to me, it's like I, I don't want, like, a, a poorly managed economy, but you know what I also don't want? A authoritarian dictatorship. You know, and that one freaks me out a little bit more. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that we have divided government. I would, I would be kind of freaked out by a unified democratic government as well. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to there being some sort of ability for us to break out of this mess. I mean, the first two years of Obama weren't this crazy. Okay, and it was unified democratic government for like at least a year of it. No, no, it was even it was two years and. We still believe in the rules. Well, it was crazy in different there. ways. Um, you know, I think that there were decisions made that I'm not sure, you know, in retrospect, I agree with, for instance, what we were just talking about right now. Um, I think the stimulus you was You realize TARP crap. was made during the Bush administration, you know, not the Obama administration, right? Yeah, but it was but it was heavily supported by Democrats and like even yeah, more so, I think, the Republicans. But it was, and, and, I think and it Obama skewed Democrats. I, I, th- I think that... Uh, I think your memory makes it look that way. I think a Republican and Henry Paulson and a president who was also a Republican and a bunch of the Republicans all voted for it, including some Democrats, and it was an overwhelmingly bipartisan deal to help the banks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, for the most part, but I also think that it was, by and large, again, like it was... It was then quickly inherited by Obama, who extended it. He passed the stimulus. He bailed out the auto companies and passed Dodd-Frank. In general, I think that though, of course, it was passed under Bush, it was still largely a democratic intervention that, that, you know, like or or Keynesian intervention, let's put it that way. um, There are no Keynesians. in recessions. <laughs> I mean, there are no, 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 there are no like uh, like 
Hi, uh, they, like literally everyone's a Keynesian in a foxhole essentially man like that's all it's true I can't remember who, the, what the exact quote is I talked to my kids about it uh, yeah it's like I guess well you know, that's 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 the now. that's the question is like do, did we really need to turn to Keynes well, in, we would, in yes, this recession right that's the question kinda, I have right, I think right then we did I think we could have done it more effectively but they wanted it to be a lot of it in weird tax cuts like half of the stimulus was in weird tax cuts and not like and also, and also, not to be, you know, like, uh, not to forget, the Federal Reserve policy of low interest rates and quantitative quantitative easing, yes. I think, exacerbated a lot of the kind of like uh, real world inflation that exists in specifically the healthcare and the real estate but, markets. I, I mean, but I Darwin, think the CPI is just fine. What are you talking about? I, I don't know. I don't know. What it's consumer thinking. price index. You know, the consumer price index has it all. Never mind, whatever. It's too inside <laughs> baseball, Darwin. But that's how we measure inflation: is our consumer price index. It don't no one really believes it anymore. It's I sort was of like you, that wasn't like a Trump reference or anything like no. that. But, okay, no, it sounded like okay. And the the thing about Trump as well is he didn't believe any of the economic numbers until they were his economic numbers, and he believed all of them. And they were just like Obama's economic numbers, essentially just keep going but in look, the same look, direction, and. They're magic I, now. I, I haven't actually don't know much about the CPI, but I know what you're talking about in terms of like price of food, price of you know a variety of services, internet, and everything like that. You know, I think all of those things are reasonable right now. It's real estate and healthcare where where you've got the real inflation going on. I think that that's something that I would definitely tie again to the way we reacted to the two thousand eight financial crisis. It sounds like we. I mean, again, like I feel like the prices of both of those would have actually fell down to real world levels had we actually avoided bailing out these gigantic institutions. Um, you know, would it have been calamitous to the point where it wouldn't have been worth it? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. But here we are. And now we've got a political system that is trying to react to that. And in the midst of that, we have authoritarianism. And I, I don't know what to, how to navigate out of that. Oh, well, you know, time and distance, Darwin. It's I just that I, I worry that the 2000, like that the 2020 Democratic nominee, who I will probably vote for, uh, absent some crazy development, just because Michael I Avenatti? just can't. Uh, well, not him. <laughs> Never him. But I. I, I worry. I worry that the that the Democratic nominee is going to have just free reign to completely enact the most left leaning agenda possible because it's just going to be like you know, look, it's either me or Trump. Yeah, I'd be scared, but th we didn't die all the way during the right one. So why would we die on the left side? Like Sweden is a pretty nice place. Not that scared of socialism. I don't want too much of it. Let me keep my property rights. Design it efficiently. We don't have to be stupid anymore about this stuff. Like, <clears throat> taxes don't have to be nearly as painful as we make them. Government can be run more efficiently. Like, we're just so, cons we just so consistently believe that because it sucked in the past, we can't get any better. And so we got to complain about it. But like, there's not a better way out. So do it less when we can do it less. Do it better when we can do it better. But like, I'm so freaking sick of thinking we've got some other way than to deal with one another and get mutual tasks done, which is government. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell else do we have? 
Like, what's the future without well, that? Well, but but what what we have other than that is mutual trust, and I think that that, that there is that no is mutual trust. There is no intelligent government policy that can displace or replace rather trust among communities. And I think what is disturbing to me is that it really kind of doesn't matter who is in office. I mean, it does, but it doesn't matter nearly as much when you have populations that hate each other this much. Like, if you cannot come together and handle your own with your community because you hate your neighbor's guts, then there's only so much that a top-down approach can do to, to, to like, uh, fix that and, and, and come in and, and help, like, make up for humanity's growing hatred of one another it's not like we haven't hated each other in the past but the 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 way we are communicating is so backwards and it is so bereft of nuance that i i don't see a more efficient government being the 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 like first of all feasible but but second of all the solution if you end up serving it to people who still hate each other and I'm saying that, like, that just has to, we just have to get past that gap. Like, I don't, like, it has to be served more equally to everyone. And, like, we live in a, a society that has people of every race and income. And America is the country based on ideals, not blood and soil. And, like, so we have to figure it out. We don't have another option. And it's not that we have to do government everything. It's that we have to treat each other well, like you're talking about. And when we do, like, we will have good government. And, like, the two have to start working together. So people in government now have to start treating everyone well when they interact with them every time they can. And then we have to tr treat each other well. And we're not doing it. And then, like, I think there may be a rebound to it, thanks to Trump's just terribleness to everyone. Like... It's just terrible abuse. He's spitting out of the country every day. I mean, that's just what's happening. It, it, is, it is profoundly disturbing, the effect that he's had on our culture. The, the, the ability to uh, see in insults the, just the, the, the idea that it's okay, like the normalizing of his behavior and, and how it, I think, empowers individuals to, to use the same tactics. And I think that that has made it difficult for me to communicate with my conservative friends because I, 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 I start with, I know every single thing that you're saying to me is just misinformed talking points that you've learned from somebody who doesn't understand or is manipulating you. And I, 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 it's not that your experience is invalid or that you don't have potential ideas that are worth bringing to the table, yeah. but the talking points of the conservative movement right now are bonkers. It's just They're bonkers. Nonsense. It's, it's, and I'm like, I, where are the people who are actually trying to defend the principles of a free market and the idea of trade versus war and the ideals of, of, of private property ownership, free speech above all else. Like I, I am, I, I, right. I don't see it. I don't see those people out there except for like basically the people of the IDW and even the, those are kind of batty in a lot of ways. <laughs> like I, I, I like what Jordan Peterson says. I feel like his all steak diet is the weirdest goddamn thing I've, <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, which do yeah, you, that, do you hear I'm not actually that? for that either. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. Here's why that probably works. I was listening to Joe Rogan about this too and he was like, 
it's because he was talking to a health expert and a lot of times variety gets us on our diet. Like when your body eats just one thing, more or less, it knows how to eat it. It gets satiated. It doesn't eat too much. It knows how to digest it. It get like, we had very consistent diets. So like to some degree, like variety is fucking with our heads. Sorry, I shouldn't use, I mean, whatever I've cursed this podcast tons of times, but like variety is messing with our heads. Right. And that may be part of some of these problems that we're having. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm Darwin, you know, I love messing with you about being vegan. Cause I think that's a lot of nonsense. And like, you're just eating ground up rabbits in your, in your, uh, in your lettuce. And you don't realize it because like tractors are bad and they kill a lot of animals and you're not getting around the system. That's, never that's a, that's a system. epic burn of veganism. You're eating I will never, ground I will up rabbits. I will never let rabbits. you get around this. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm sorry that like. You're you're using so much gas and all these tractors, you know, to like bring up these plants from the earth and little baby rabbits. But like, it's you know, it, I love meat, but I wouldn't eat just meat because like we need a lot of different stuff. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. You, you know, that's, that, it's, that that sounds like a very Trumpian takedown of veganism if I ever heard one. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not it's even, like Trump it's like saying, "Oh, you eat food. spiders and you sleep. McDonald's. How can you be vegan?" <laughs> Trump eats like, McDonald's. Yeah, and of that's course, it. that's. I mean, you know, that's an idiotic argument, right? Dude, I'm sorry. You're killing all <laughs> sorts of animals with all of your industrial, you know, farming. It's fine. It's okay, Darwin. You're not getting out of the cycle. And then I, they eat fertilizer, which is just ground up animal bones and stuff like that, and it's just wh- not good too. One thing that I've definitely learned being vegan is that. It is absolutely true that you can't purify yourself into veganism. Like the, the, there's always going to be gray areas where you are in a quandary over whether or not this actually qualifies as, you know, like being within the vegan code. And there are a lot of different varieties of vegans out there. Meat eaters are purists. Meat eaters are purists. You cannot take a meat eater out without them eating meat. Like that, that, that's one thing that I've definitely flipped on my head. You can be an impure vegan, but you cannot be an impure meat eater. Pretty much everybody like has to have meat every day or they will have a hernia. I mean, look, I'm again, I'm a meat eater, but I also believe in protein fasting sometimes. So there are days when I don't eat any protein at all. Like, it's and especially not meat protein. Like I don't believe that you should have an all meat diet. I just also don't think that you should remove animal products from your diet. I don't think that's actually a good thing. I'm sorry that we're freaking absolutely terrible to so many animals as we get our food because we've put ourselves in this situation. But I don't believe depriving ourselves well, of and, their and food. I, I is think the that answer. honestly, it's a it's a question of values that we need to start really extending to ourselves. I mean, I definitely connect it to a lot of the other areas: mass incarceration, immigration, uh, just general view of the other. It's sort of an extension of do you want to live in a world in which you actually really reflect your values? Because if you do, if you see what we do to the animals that we're eating, look, when I go to a local farm or even occasionally, I, I still eat meat. I still eat dairy. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not pure about it, but I do avoid it because A, it's ethical. B, it's healthy, I think. And C, and this is pretty important too, if everybody stopped eating meat, we would solve climate change. 
Nonsense. Do yes. not buy that argument. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Don't believe yep. you. Not Look, the truth. I, I, I'm sorry that the that amount of tractors you. you have to put on the fields to freaking pay, to like produce the food we need is no. We would, and then on top of that, you still need carbon capture because you need these herd animals out there doing their job. Like, no, I'm sorry, but absolutely not. I do not buy okay, the carbon Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Meat. Sure. A, a big bunch of nose is a good way to. Just quantify like, your I'm, argument, but I, I'm talking about qualify your argument. Really, actually make an argument other I'm than a blanket no. I did. I made like three in there. You just only heard the no's because you're a negative person, Darwin. And I am positive <laughs> that your argument about climate climate change is not an accurate representation of what would happen if we all stopped eating meat. Like we would use that carbon in a different way. Like there also there are positive carbon qualities to eating meat. There are negative carbon carbon qualities to eating vegetables. There are, it there also are takes carbon no to get vegetables out of the ground. Positive carbon qualities. Like it's it's it, this is just this there is are an, this is giant cattle. We should be eating wanting. cattle that are roaming the ground to capture the carbon again. Massive herd animals are necessary across the United States in order to help capture carbon and keep our basic climate the way we want it. And we're not doing that right now because we ended the buffalo. We need to be tilling up the ground with hooves way more than we are in most of the Great Plains. And like that's something that's happening slowly as we get more cattle out there, as more people demand grass-fed beef. With the demand for grass-fed beef comes a reintroduction of a large herd animal to our climate, which captures carbon and I believe brings down eventually. Well, but yeah, like our look, we, you know, we could massive... probably we could probably agree on that as a as a great next step because I I look I take your argument. I don't know that it's true, but I take your argument that that you need a, an interaction with the earth in terms of these animals. Um, but the, 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 the water that it takes, the, the, the amount of corn that it takes, you know, and, and other feeds, uh, to, to raise these livestock, especially pigs and, and cattle uh, are absurd. It's, it's, it's no, really no, it's, absurd. It's worse for chicken. Uh, like, uh, you're like gonna it's cut a two? very self-defeating, um, No, 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 no. You gotta cut two things. You gotta cut chicken and you gotta cut pork maybe because per pound they're not worth it. But the, the the per pound on a cattle well, on cattle, cattle is, is absolutely is worth it. Easily the worst. I, I no no no. No, it's not is easily uh, the worst because per it, pound it consumes no, more water than any other animal. Easily. It doesn't, but it also gives more meat per person and sustenance than any of the others. Like its actual output for for quality of substance is way better, and in, therefore in, it justifies in, in the amount of, of water it uses. All right, all right. This is going to be another subject we're going to have to debate on, on Facebook, I suppose. Okay, well, but. I can let this all go, but I win for today. And this has been an episode of Lofty Darwinism. They never actually reach the surface because they seem to die on the vine. Who knows what will happen with it? it may never come out. Darwin, what do you think? You think it's going to come out? Maybe. Lofty Darwinism, everyone. See ya.